0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright.
1: And is it wrong that I love this minute so much?
0: It is, actually. Today we're talking about Minute 48, which begins with Thor warning Loki to listen well and ends with Iron Man blasting Thor in the chest. Back on the show one last time uh, this season, we have Nathan Blackwell and Chrissy Lenz from the Most Excellent 80s Movies podcast. Hello, you two. Hey.
2: Hello. I also love this minute a little too
1: much. <laughs> Thank you,
0: Chrissy. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is where we get into all this nonsense. All right. Anyway. Before we do, uh, we get Loki and Thor. This is the end of their conversation. The two of them, uh, Loki reveals he doesn't have the cube. I sent it off. I know not where. This whole idea that that the cube is gone at this point, um, I, I guess to a certain extent. I mean, how do you all see this? If Loki... Just say, for example, that Thor did have a way to get back to Asgard without the Tesseract, and he actually grabbed Loki and just took him off to to Asgard right here. Do Eric and and Clint have everything—well, first, would the Mind Stone suddenly stop working, or does it work across the galaxy, I guess is an important question. But (laughs) two— If he if he did leave and they were still under his control, would they still be able to kind of complete everything? And would they just kind of go through with it? I mean, I feel like they have everything they need at this point, right?
2: Yeah, it's got to work across the whole galaxy. Because once Thanos does the snap, it goes across all the galaxies, right? So it's got to have a, a nice wide reach. I mean.
0: Yeah, true.
2: I don't think it has like as limited a range as a Wi-Fi booster. <laughs>
0: I'd love he, he gets back to to Asgard. It's just like, where's the closest Wi-Fi? I got to got to make sure my connection's still good."
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh Nathan, Pete. Mm, yeah, I, I I I agree. I concur.
3: Um it's it's being being of the Mind Stone. It's got to have plenty of range. Yeah, I I'm totally on board with it. I but I'm on board with everything about this minute.
2: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I, feel, I feel
3: awful. I, I feel like if he if he was able to summon the Bifrost and zap Loki over, he'd do that, but then he would, he I'm sure he feels, like, he'd do that for a good solid, like, two hours, and then come back, because he does have that nagging feeling, like, okay, this the Tesseract is still loose, you know, um, it's still my responsibility, Midgard, mm-hmm and and i'm going to be in on this so i feel like he would zap off he'd commute back and forth if
0: he had the option right now but here's another question though like why do at this point why do why do tony the the avengers we'll just call it kind of the team why do they feel they need to have loki here to find it if they already have Bruce working on this gamma tool to track it down so they can find it by its readings from its gamma signature. I think
3: they're just trying to follow up on any lead they got at this point. I think yeah. they're on their back foot trying to 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 get whatever they can to kind of understand the big picture.
0: Okay, but I mean, you know, Iron Man will say here as soon as he shows up that, you know, as soon as, if, as, soon as he gives us the Tesseract, you can take him home. Mm -hmm. Like, he makes it feel like they have to have Loki in order to get the Tesseract. And I just don't think that's ever, uh, it hasn't been the case from the start.
2: Did it feel a little bit like maybe they were thinking there would be some kind of, like, maybe, like, hostage trade-off or something? Because he says in the, the, like, two minutes previous, two or three minutes previous, uh, if he kills Loki or frees him, the Tesseract is lost. Yeah, and it's like, why?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get that.
1: I don't understand why why. I think I'm on team Nathan, but maybe Nathan isn't on team Pete. I I see it as <laughs> uh, that that We're you, our
0: own little Avengers. We, team we have. Have. none <laughs> of us agree.
1: I see Nathan th- shirt. that we have uh, <laughs> the uh, the the people on the helicarrier are putting their their sciencing a solution and Tony is brute forcing a solution. And the one thing they do know is that Loki walked off with the Tesseract and Tony doesn't know that he that that Loki sent it off. I know not where um, mm-hmm. all he Which knows could even be a lie. Yeah, right. It, right. it could be a lie. So all he knows is that this is yet another vector to approach finding the Tesseract. So, right? like, is it, like, is it, I, I don't understand why that, like, to me, that just reads as totally normal.
3: Yeah, I'm on Team Pete.
0: okay well you know i guess i guess part of it boils down to and and this may be where there is some gray area because tony clearly kind of taps into whatever information he wants to and likely has an understanding from shield as to what they're working on and so when he does say that line earlier about the fact that if they send that off then we're if they if they you know if we don't get that from him, the Tesseract is lost to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it sound like uh, like he has no clue. So maybe he really isn't. I don't know. I guess I just always assume Iron Man is kind of tapped into everything. But maybe he really isn't. And maybe he doesn't know that Bruce is working on anything.
1: That is, that's where I, I come. I think, I think he is just not, I, I think this is a situation where at this point in the movie, not everybody is on the same page at this point.
3: And and right. this is also like a really sensitive place for Tony because he was the first to kind of raise the idea of you know he he was there with 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 um uh you know uh, to kind of like well what if there are more super beings around there what if yeah. what if the, it's like you know eventually towards the end of the movie spoiler alert like he's the one who is like I've got to make a sacrifice to to save earth uh, you know he's the one who wants to put And armor around the world, like he. This is this is his sensitive spot. Like Earth could be invaded, and it's going to be up to me. It's going to be up to me, and and a bunch of these, you know, uh, (laughs) triados. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like these these half measures. Like uh, these people who. It's like he's trying to see the long game. Yeah, Yeah. you know. And so this is definitely putting his. This and. And later with Infinity War with Thanos, like this is his worst case scenario. Hmm.
2: I think there's also something to be said, too, of like Tony says it h- himself in his own best words is like, don't take my stuff. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. had Loki. You don't get to just come take him. Like, I don't care if you're you know, as guardian or his brother, like, don't take my stuff. You know, he he wants to be the guy in charge (laughs) of the prisoner interrogations.
0: That's certainly the case. Well, let's just, uh, let's stop beating around the bush. I mean, Iron Man shows up very shortly after this, uh, this exchange between Loki and Thor. And, you know, Pete, is this in your referencing Tignataro moment, is this the moment when, when Thor has a line, Iron Man interrupts. Loki delivers his quippy follow-up.
1: <laughs> yes, Andy. Yes, this is the line. This is so classic. Classic, and, and this is where I think you know, in terms of Notaro's prowess as a filmmaker, is to move from something very serious to something that you might as well find in a Three Stooges film, quite mm-hmm. deathly. Like this is this is something that feels like such a natural swing in in his cinematic voice that i i think i can't i can't ignore that like it it, you know it's really good and funny and makes me laugh and i actually think the cheap follow-up line i'm listening is is it's icing on the cake of of stupid physical humor like special effects humor i i absolutely don't mind it i am in the bag for this kind of you know shenaniganry
0: yeah yeah agree (laughs) I I feel like I'm going to be the one (laughs) on the island and and, you know that's fine I mean I just I I really end up I, I I get it. There is this big trope. We've already talked about this a little bit. This idea of this comic book trope about heroes fighting and going through their whole thing before they get to a point that they figure out how to work together. I just end up really struggling with it, and I just sometimes I just don't buy that they just don't have a conversation. It just feels like so over the top to for them to go to such lengths, as we're going to see over the following scene, uh, between the three of them by the time Captain America shows up, that it takes this long for them to settle down, and you know, I, I guess there's a lot to uh, just the the behavior of, of men in these types of situations <laughs> to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. sometimes I just find that it just is, it's a little much. And when I watch this, I end up rolling my eyes a lot through through this whole thing.
1: <laughs> and let me, I, I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to dissuade from that perspective. I roll my eyes too. i just laughing at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's it is it, it's stuff that is like superficially good humor and coming on a very heavy, uh, you know, when he when he says Shakespeare in the park, like that is the perfect quip for this, because that was yeah. an extraordinarily heavy Shakespearean moment. And he's mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Whedon's here poking fun at at something so serious in the voice of of uh you know tony that you know actually is kind of self-referential like i acknowledge what we're doing here is play and that's that is important to me like that that's an important acknowledgement that that reminds us that this is all play and and that's i think that that makes it kind of a special
0: gag well placed well yeah and it's and- just a note tony's nickname tracker number 4 shakespeare in the park which you've oh, just brought up so <laughs> so he just keeps them coming i don't i don't know if i like this one very much one because he wasn't involved at all in the conversation so it becomes incredibly meta just mm-hmm. to have him doing that yeah, and, and it really true. ends up becoming more directorial to to put this in here as almost a nod to brana rather than anything because they're not dressed shakespearean either and that's the thing that kind of is like there's nothing about him. And then he goes and like making fun of his mother's robes and, or drapes and all that. I'm like, yeah, but he looks, there's nothing like if I saw him looking this way, I would not jump to Shakespeare. I guess I might jump to, I don't know, Roman soldier or something as opposed to Shakespeare, but, and especially Loki. And it's an interesting line because I'm like, is he referring to, sh- to Loki or or Thor or Loki and Thor cuz Loki certainly doesn't strike me as a kind of a shakespearean look. So I don't know. I guess it just ends up feeling very meta as opposed to and yeah. and something that fits into the scene.
3: I see that as Robert Downey Jr. and less and less Tignataro, you know, like I see that if if you if you look at all these movies I feel like he has the most Consistent voice, and it's probably because it's stuff that Robert Downey Jr. is making up.
1: well, and, yeah. and we think we like think about what we know that Tony knows about Thor. Like they've never met. Up to this point of the movie, all he knows about Thor is what he's seen on his his fancy flat screen see through panel computers in the pre-work that he was given. Right. Like um, so I'm I'm assuming that he's making some snap assumptions and and coming up with quips based on, you know, just the the stuff that he was given in, in homework.
0: But, and, but wouldn't the quips be. Nordic in reference, I, as no, I agree with you. Shakespearean, like I, I this 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 nickname really ends up driving me nuts because it's so meta. <laughs> yeah, in no way it relates to Tony or the situation. And there's
1: another problem with it, Andy, that I think I think we have to acknowledge is that uh, like there is some world in which Tony, uh, you know, Iron Man flying around might have some ability to hear this conversation in the forest, but it took him like. Kind of a long time to get there. Like, we didn't see him in proximity. (laughs) We have no indication that he was, like, spying on them. They're just talking. And now, uh, you know, he finds them and suddenly knows what they're talking about. I acknowledge all that. You're right. You're right. And I still have fun with them. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I feel like a Mm -hmm. dirty person.
2: I I was just going to say, like, do you think he could hear them uh, at least as he was, like, getting closer? I mean, Iron. he's Iron Man. He can like, spy, you know, so he could right. have been like, bloop, 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 Jarvis was listening to them <laughs> as he was as he's flying.
3: And, and in the, in defense, they are speaking with, like, a royal Shakespearean accent. They're so loud. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: He heard. He heard.
3: As opposed to Nordic, they, their yeah. diction is so good.
2: The only line he heard was that you'll take my world as recompense for your imagination. <laughs> into the
3: go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's you all I needed. Into
2: the abyss. <laughs> I saw the abyss, and you threw me into it. No, how much of a frosted father burn? You know, like it. The that, throne
0: like,
3: will suit you ill, brother.
2: That's what he right. heard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right no yeah. truly if he if he was listening in he would have been rolling his eyes cuz i know i was so yeah. <laughs> that, yeah it's i mean i guess i to your point i do definitely I can see that aspect of it. I just, I guess, uh, and you know, maybe this is just a thing that with time. Like, I think I enjoyed this a lot more when I first saw the film, and I think over the years since I have, uh, you know, time has passed, I've revisited. I I find myself drawn to it less and less, and it's it's moments like this that I'm like, ugh, yeah, okay, we got to get through this whole thing, and I end up struggling with these more, and that to me, I, I you know, I guess I, for me, I just end up wanting to get past this because i just i just find that it just feels so in the end it feels unnecessary for us to do but i mean to i guess we'll explore it as we kind of go through it but maybe it becomes necessary to actually have this so they can figure out how to work together as a team and that's kind of the point of the film yeah for sure yeah well all right um so Shakespeare in the park, we get that, we get this whole kind of gag and everything. Um just a an aside to effects when Tony opens his mask and we see his face as he's kind of having this conversation. At this point, this is 2012 when the film was made. We're talking about this in 2023. How do the effects look as far as Tony's face showing up like that? Do you does it look like effects or does it look like he's like he's in a suit and it's opening up? So I think this is practical with because
3: because the blue light that's coming from his mask, um, that they probably did some sort of transition just so they they can get that realistic illumination. Like the toughest thing in the world is to do at least back then and and to a bit now is these our CGI shadows. It's so hard to get it right. Yeah, and there was probably some sort of handoff between like the actual digital. Like it was probably up. And then and then they digitally put it down and then and then put it back up there. But my guess is as he's talking to him, there's actually something above his head that's creating that light that's that blue light that's coming down on his face.
2: See what I mean about the smart filmmaker stuff? (laughs) But yeah. It's
3: it's something that I feel like it's it's like so out of control with like the new Ant Man movie, which is constantly every time they have to say a word, the mask comes off. Yeah. You know, and then they then they do something again, the mask goes down. They say something, they they do another quip, the mask comes up. Like it's a little too much
0: for me. It's like they got to a point in superhero films. I feel like it all started in like I don't know. I would say Batman Returns when they finally realized, you know, or Michael Keaton might have realized. Can I actually say this without my mask on? Because I feel like I can act better if I don't have to put a mask on. So they said, "Yeah, why don't you just rip it off? Just rip that mask right off, and you can f- do the rest of the movie without your mask." And eventually, Spider Man is doing that. Spider Man <laughs> they're like you know what once we get nano these masks can come on and off and then we can the actors can actually emote and they won't have to worry about that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very rare when you get like dread where the mask is always on or the mandalorian where it's always on you know those are the those are the rare moments where an actor is like yeah no I'm fine just yeah, yeah. Keep the mask on me
1: keep it on i i think i i don't know that i in- entirely agree about it looking uh practical i think the close ups look really good but for some reason right around second 20- 28 uh it looks like a face floating kind of in a forest with uh and then in proximity there's a helmet around it i i find that per- that shot particularly distracting it is like his face is so well lit that i i don't believe uh, like he, he's probably wearing i think you're exactly right nathan he's probably yeah. wearing some sort of of green lighting effect to light his face properly but i i think the the i think the rest of the suit is all c g at this point
3: yeah i i think the c g is, is is fake he's probably wearing like some leotard like a gray leotard or something like that with like a practical light fixture thing yeah. above his head right
0: yeah, yeah. It, I, I, I think my issue with it is that his his face seems ever so slightly larger than it should be to fit into the helmet as it is. And so I think that's where I end up like it just it's so it like if that's his face inside that helmet his ears are like mashed into the side of his head you know like he like it's just not allowing for any additional space in there and so i think that's where i end up kind of slight struggling like it's just slightly off yeah as far as the size yeah Okay, so we get to this point where it really turns into the fight between these two. They, Thor and, and Tony exchange some lines, don't take my stuff, you don't know what you're dealing with, uh, this is beyond you, he's going to face Asgardian justice. This is that line where he says, "You know, hey, if he gives gives up the cube, he's all yours, until then stay out of the way. Um, and then the fighting commences, and it, it all starts, you know, <laughs> Iron Man throws one last line out, he calls him a tourist. Yeah. And- <laughs> Which I, I think is an interesting line to throw out to somebody who just flew and landed on top of your <laughs> yeah. your jet, mm-hmm. yeah. and then grabbed somebody and flew out of it, uh-huh. and then and and also hit you in the chest with his hammer and knocked you down. I, I I don't know. It it that to me is probably the line I I do like the most from Iron Man because it that to me does feel more like Tony like you know you know what's the what's the expression like your feather like the peacocking is that yeah. The... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
3: yeah that was definitely meant to be shade that he's throwing yeah. oh
2: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's
1: kind of weird shade because we're no longer looking at Iron Man when he says it Like, it's one of those things that just reads like weird ADR. Like, why did they not stay on Iron Man? He's just in a helmet. Like, you don't even need to see his mouth
3: move. Just show us the character saying it. It's probably, you know, if it was added later, like, its absence, you just need one more thing to tick Thor off. Yep. Like, you don't want him to boil, think for a moment. And then, like, shoot the guy in the back. Then it makes Thor seem a little lame. Like, he needs one more thing to go off, and then he snaps. For it to be rushed, rather than to have that moment to think.
0: And and your point is interesting. Does Tony, I guess Tony must hear the hammer coming toward him or something cuz he throws the hammer as Tony's walking away but Tony turns in time for it to nail him directly in the chest. And it does make me wonder if like Jarvis had warned him of something coming or if he had actually heard it or or I don't know. I mean, why does he turn there as opposed to getting hit in the back?
2: My assumption would be that Jarvis was like beep beep there's something coming. You know,
0: <laughs> proximity alert.
1: Hammer, yeah. hammer nearby. Hammer inbound. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: I like that the in the in that in the hit you really feel the strength of the hammer, right? And the, and the like kablooiness of it.
0: Um, <laughs> Absolutely. When it mm-hmm. hits him a
2: couple times.
0: Well, yeah, it takes him right through a tree, right? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. Well, this is this is interesting because this is the so
3: it, this comes up later, but like, so they have their own movies you get the sense that each character is awesome, but this is the first time that you have to kind of adjust the power levels of each hero when they have to actually fight each other. Like, right. how, how powerful is Iron Man versus Thor? Like, is Thor really powerful? And Iron Man is, like, half as powerful? Like, this is the very first time we've actually had to have the other heroes meet and to kind of square off against each other, and to then recalibrate, like, like their power levels mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point
0: point. and to try getting a sense to to your uh something that one of you said the other day since they're technically not fighting villains at this point are they kind of pulling their punches a little bit just to kind yeah. of a, as a way to just test each other out you know yeah i and i think that's that's the case for sure i agree Although when, when uh, Thor tosses the hammer, he does look like he's really tossing the hammer. It doesn't mm-hmm. look too half-assed. <laughs> I do. It does go back to,
1: like, what, you know, again, that first hit, how much damage should that do to Tony? And we definitely get—they they cheat a lot uh, in in regard to Iron Man in particular by glitching the helmet display mm-hmm. so that they don't necessarily have to demonstrate actual physical damage to the armor And I I think that gives a lot of leeway because it communicates when you're watching the movie and the sequence in order, not stopping and watching 60 seconds at a time. You actually don't (laughs) stop and think about the fact that that hammer should have crushed his chest. Right. Like that's our expression of the hammer. And and it does not. But we do get the reset and Jarvis glitching and the graphics glitching. And that is, you know, presumptively enough. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because it's something that we'll certainly see over the course of the film and the franchise when Iron Man is getting hit by anything oftentimes the suit isn't taking too much of a brunt yeah. know, of it you know it's like it's like a spaceship in a in a movie you don't have to show a bunch of damage as long as they have their force fields up and even if their force fields are dwindling it's it's still yeah. only at of you know, on the bridge 17% <laughs> right and that's essentially his HUD is the sparks on the bridge that yes. we're getting yeah. right here
2: mhm
0: mhm so yeah, I, I, I can kind of buy into that as far as the way that they're they're playing it, as yeah. far as like we don't we can just show the HUD damage and everything and then we'll go from there.
2: It's like two people are just shoving each other in a parking lot and they're not punching yet. They're just shoving.
3: <laughs> the superhero <laughs> no shoves. He's yeah, like, right.
2: Jarvis, set the set my blasters to shove. <laughs> set the hammer to shove.
0: Right, not exactly. punch. <laughs> I I do enjoy, I, I, I enjoy, yet also, I kind of laugh at the, um, uh, how fake it looks when we cut to Loki sitting on the cliffside, just kind of sitting in to watch mm-hmm. all of this. <laughs> it's I mean, more than ever, this cliffside ends up looking so staged. It doesn't, yeah. nothing about it ends up wreaking any uh, verisimilitude by this point, you know, it's just like, yeah, movie set, pretty much a movie set.
1: Yeah. but it's so dark like they get away with a lot because they it's really dark and right. so
0: you know okay maybe yeah <laughs> Uh, all right. At the very end of the minute, uh, we see Thor swinging his hammer around to take one more uh, hit at Tony. And of course, Tony, as he's kind of getting himself up off the ground, he uh, raises a hand and hits Thor right in the chest, blasting Thor back. And now it's on. This is mm-hmm. uh, the start of what's going to be a big, big fight.
1: And there's no question that Tony's... Tony's weapons would do no damage to Thor or his magical fabric, right? Like we never stop and question that. No.
0: Well, it, Thor doesn't get the magical, um, you know, Emperor's new clothes that Loki does. No, he doesn't. Um,
1: but uh, you have to imagine there's some sort of magic in the uh, Asgardian fabric because
0: otherwise,
2: the metal's got to be all made out of like stars and stuff. Yeah, it's, just like Mjolnir is it's
0: stars, right? Well, and as we see at the end of Thor, like his father rebuilds his entire outfit out of magic, as uh, as he kind of gives him, or he, he gives him his powers back, right? Yeah. When mm-hmm. uh, you know Thor has uh, has proven himself worthy, and he gets Mjolnir, and all of his stuff magically reappears on him. So I I don't know. I'd like to think that there's a hint of Odin magic, and maybe it's just it's all father magic that is just like you know what. Let's make sure Thor doesn't end up running around naked yet, either. <laughs> you
1: know what would be really funny, though, is if Odin could, to Chrissy's point, reprogram all the armor of Thor. And, like, it's one day, Thor doesn't have enough honor and can't get out of bed because he's wearing his armor and it's no, it's no, he can no longer sit up. I think that would be really funny. <laughs> be
0: his armor is basically as strong as Mjolnir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just there, his armor like... is Mjolnir. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Ah, oh, so funny. You know, I, well, and we know, I mean, we'd already seen that, you know, Iron Man can hold his own against Asgardians. We saw him blast Loki a few minutes, like, you know, back in Stuttgart. Right. So, so you know, and, and so he gets to that and he knows that he can hold his own against Thor at this point. Yeah. So, well, Nathan and Chrissy, uh, we're coming to the end of our conversations. Any last thoughts mm-hmm. about uh, this movie, uh, the Avengers films, uh, you know, anything that you want to say about any of this? I hope they find that Tesseract. Christy?
2: I really like the Avengers. Like, in spite of all of the, you know, looking back on it now and seeing the the little spots of trouble here and there, um, I I think this is where the MCU really sort of said, hey, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We can do, you know, a big. Everybody gets together movie and still have fun and laugh and have a have a good, silly time, as well as with all the serious stuff. So I think this was a great milestone uh, movie in that way.
3: So uh, Chrissy and I have sort of built a podcasting career on re- revisiting m- movies that are actually problematic. And I think this one turns out pretty OK, you know, despite uh, Mr. Whedon, aka Tignataro's uh, involvement, I feel like there's there's so much energy of 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 what Marvel it, it wanted to make this movie be, and just all the characters that it, there's very little of that kind of. It permeating the rewatch, and so yeah, I, I think this is this was a great, important movie, and it was. I remember it being a lot of fun, and I and I feel like it holds up pretty darn well. How would you two
0: rank the four Avengers films?
2: Ooh, um, goodness gracious! Well, Endgame's got to be. It's yeah. hard because I think Endgame's <laughs> got to be number one, mm-hmm. but then it's like. Does Avengers have to be number one because that's
3: where it all starts? It's it's tough. Like I find I find the first Infinity War one to be more rewatchable because Endgame is also it's it's also con- conclusiony, you know. And so I I find and uh, Infinity War to be the most watchable because you get the excitement of everyone coming together and the stakes being so high and and things yeah. like that. Um, but I, I would definitely put Ultron at the bottom.
2: Yeah, it, I was gonna say the important yeah. thing is Ultron. Let's agree on one thing, right?
3: Let's agree on one thing. Yeah.
2: Although James Spader in, in our world, James Spader being a part of anything makes it magic in the mm-hmm. 80s. So, yes. James Spader notwithstanding, there's no Ultron, uh, registering. Although, like, I think that, um, The moment of Endgame, the reason I would put it first is because that moment where uh, Cap picks up the hammer is just chill. Just describing it gives me chills, like whole body (laughs) chills. (laughs) Um, It was such an amazing moment. Uh, That That's why that one will always be number one for me, because that was just movie magic. Yeah. That it but it it's all built from here. It built from and they built on that in Ultron too, where he is like joking about like if you put the hammer in an elevator <laughs> can, yeah. it, can it go up right. <laughs> who can hold the elevator. <laughs> uh, or who can who right, can right. hold the hammer and, and uh would Cap ever be able to wield it? So you can't discount it completely, only almost completely.
0: Only almost. <laughs> <laughs> only almost, only almost. Well, it has been so much fun talking with the two of you. Thank you both so much for joining us for these five minutes. We certainly appreciate it. Cool. Thanks for having us.
2: Thanks for having us. We have so much fun uh, talking minutes with you guys.
0: Well, we appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody one last time what, about your show and where they can track it down.
3: Yeah, so we uh, host the Most Excellent 80s Movies podcast, um, uh, and w- it's, it's really about revisiting the movies that we grew up on. Um, in this case, the 80s, um, but seeing them with our adult eyes and seeing if they hold up, um, If and then also revisiting movies that we may have missed as well.
0: Awesome. Lots of good episodes in there, everybody. Check those out. We'll have the link in the show notes. So you can just hop in there and you can uh, get more other links to Nathan and Chrissy, see what they're up to. And uh, if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcaster, just go to our website, MarvelMovieMinute.com, and you can check it out there. Get all the show notes and links. And you can also learn about our membership. Get early access to all your shows. Get uh, episodes ad-free, bonus episodes, all that good stuff. MarvelMovieMinute.com. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another guest. Uh, so, Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow,
1: the God of Thunder comes unleashed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, <laughs> Believers. <dribble-oopers. laughs>